Well, good morning. Good morning to you. Hey, she's still Vaughn. He's still Stuart. <laughs> and we're here again with another version of something to talk about. And another uh, and another version of COVID-19 to talk about. <laughs> uh, right, right. And 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 a, a change in authority at the head of the country. So uh, you know about the, being, yep, yep, yep. A big day. Falls on the same day. Amazing. Yes. But you know what? We're glad you chose to spend this hour with us because it's going to be a, a great conversation this morning. We have a very special guest, and uh, we're just we're we're just really excited uh, about about sharing sharing our show and our talk with you and with our very special guest. And Vaughn, with that, I'm going to let you introduce her. Oh well, okay. Well, I'm just going to bring her right in. Uh, she's backstage right now. Her name is Melissa Waite. And those of you who live here in Frisco and down in Dallas and in Plano know her well as the owner of one of my favorite gift shops, Corporate <laughs> Affair. And I'm in there all the time buying this and that. And uh, here she is, beautiful Melissa Waite. And we're welcome. Talk welcome to the show, Melissa. We are so excited to talk to you today, although I wish it was um, a, a, I mean, it's a, it's a positive subject because hopefully you're gonna share with us kind of how your small business endured during these times. But we definitely are just gonna dig deep into small businesses and kind of how, how were they prepared? If not, how did they get prepared? How did they manage their operations during these times? Just, there's a lot, of, there are a lot of logistics that play into especially small businesses um, during during COVID-19. So we're hoping that you'll be able to share with our listeners your personal and professional insight on this topic. So welcome. To the Absolutely. Show. Thank you. You know, I, I think a great place to start, Melissa, would be right from the beginning of uh, when did paper uh, affairs start? Uh, where did it first start? Where did the idea come from? Uh, and, and get us right from day one. Where, where, where the idea came from and how it started. Sure. Um, so the first paper affair um, opened down on Lover's Lane in Tollway, my Dallas location, and we are at our 14-year anniversary. So 14 years ago. Wow. Um, I actually have a long career background in finance, worked for Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, but I always had this little itch to open a retail store. And... Um, my husband and I actually met getting our MBAs and so in finance. So he kind of joked with me and he said, you know that retail stores don't make money, right? <laughs> like why right. do you more want than fifty percent of them fail within right. the first like, five why? years? And I just said, you know what? Ever since I was a little kid, like, you know, kids are playing teacher in school and doctor. I was playing retail store. I just always right. thought it would be fun. So I decided to just leave the finance world behind and try it out. And so that was 14 years ago. I love it. I did not know that personal background. So <laughs> did you ever, did you ever play running a retail business during a pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> that was never part right. of the, uh, right. no, no, this has been a, a whole new learning curve. Right, yeah. so, so Dallas is, is 14 years, 14 yes. years old. And then the second shop was in Plano. Yes. And it and, opened a year after Dallas. Okay. And then Frisco opened two years after Plano. So Frisco has been open now about 10 years. Wow. So, okay. So all three locations are between 10 and 14 years. Exactly. Now, where did the idea for, for the concept of paper affair, which is, which is a lot of personalized uh, products. 
Correct. Is that also part of your dream? The the idea and what how we started, it has definitely evolved over the last 14 years, hence the name Paper Affair. I was always obsessed with stationery. I um, did classes on how to do calligraphy. Like I loved paper. I loved everything about paper and writing. And so I wanted to have a paper store. And so when the Dallas store first opened, it was predominantly paper. Um, Vaughn will tell you, cause she's in there a lot now in the Frisco store, um, paper is still a big part of it, but the majority of our revenues come from gifts, candles, frames, you know, you name it, jewelry. Glassware, there's glassware, glassware there's clothing. Gifts, it's gifts. And so what we realized when we opened the Dallas store is within probably a month of opening, I realized I was having to, we had just a few little gift tables and those were selling out every week. Like I was having to replenish the gifts. And I thought in Highland Park on Lovers, there were plenty of gift stores. I didn't think that was a need. And I realized very quickly that there was a need for that. So we started shifting a little bit. And so each year it just shifts a little bit more. Um, we're still, we still do a lot of paper. We still do a lot of wedding invitations and stationery, but we also offer a lot of gifts. Yeah, it really is a place where you can go in and if you can't find what you're looking for, they will direct you to where you need to be. You'll never go in and leave that store without having your questions answered. That's what I have always found. Um, Thank you, Vaughn. Well, it's, but it, it's, I speak the truth. Um, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's a fun experience. And um, Melissa does such a good job um, hiring staff with just vibrant, um, personalities that make you want to just kind of hang out there and shop around for a while. And you don't just leave with just a little gift, but you leave with your gift very, very, uh, very uh, creatively wrapped. I can't tell you how many times I've been in there and I have about 30 minutes to get to some kind of celebration and I can get in, get the perfect gift, have it wrapped just so fun and get to my party. And so it, it's it's a great experience overall. And Melissa is not only, you know, just with her background that she just, you know, told us she's not only creative in her, in her, how she manages her business, um, but extremely intelligent. And uh, that's why I really wanted her to speak on this topic, um, Stuart, and for all of our listeners, because I think she's gonna have a lot to say in terms of just, you know, kind of how she managed this small business. And I say small business, but she's got three locations. She's got one in Dallas, as she said, Plano and Frisco. I imagine, Melissa, correct me if I'm wrong, that the dynamics might be different. <laughs> Definitely. Based on each location. So you might right. find yourself not only having to manage your business, but manage each location differently. So I just want to jump in, Stuart, if you don't mind, with a, with a quick kind of question to kick us off here. Obviously, Melissa, you never expected this pandemic. Who did? Okay, so here we are now. Looking back on the days prior to what we never expected to happen or to or to be going on for this long, do you think your business was prepared uh, from a kind of a business strategy standpoint for an emergency like this? Um, the short answer is no. Right. I was not prepared. <laughs> right. And, and just so you know, I, I figured that'd be your answer. Most businesses were not. So therefore then... How did you shift? How did you shift gears? Generally speaking, because I know you can't speak to all that you did, but generally speaking, your overall business strategy 
Um, did you did you have to get together with professionals to help you through it? Did you have to get together? How did you in the beginning when all this started and you saw how bad it was going to be and how long it was going to go on? How did you put your mind around your business operations and effectively make changes to survive this? Sure. Well, and I will tell you first, I I told somebody this the other day. I said it was kind of like y'all will both remember you you remember where you were when you heard that Princess Diana had died. You remember where you were when you heard that the space shuttle crashed. I will never forget where I was sitting in my PJs in my bed on the phone with American Express trying to explain to them that I had a very large paper affair bill that wasn't going to be paid. I will never forget that feeling, that fear, that overwhelming sense of what do I do now? <laughs> so yeah, I put that kind of all in the same little categories. Um, very quickly, uh, we didn't know, you know, you remember early on, we just said March 23rd, you have to shut down. We had no idea when we'd be allowed to reopen. At first, I thought it might just be a week or two. Um, once we realized it was going to be longer, I immediately went to social media. I went to Facebook and I went to Instagram and I started doing videos of me walking around the store. You probably saw some of these, Vaughn, walking around the store, holding up products like I was Vanna White. Um, because it was right before Easter. I knew people needed Easter baskets. They needed Easter gifts. So I was walking around showing Easter gifts. Then I transitioned to graduation gifts and I literally put my cell phone on every place I could put it. We emailed it out. We social media it out. And I had customers texting and calling me all day long. And it was me like going to the store, wrapping gifts and then hand delivering. So it, it, at first I'm like, this is kind of silly compared to the, the business I'm losing. Like this is a little bitty bit. But for me, it felt like something. And for the customers that did want to stay engaged, um, they knew I was I would do anything <laughs> to help them. And then word of mouth got around and people started. I mean, I had people never been in our store calling me because they needed a gift and everything was closed. So that was the initial step. The second big thing that I did is we had never had a website to sell merchandise. And part of that was my strong belief in brick and mortar retail stores. And I, I kind of, customers would always say, I wish you were online. And I just said, I don't want to be. I want people to come in and get the feeling Vaughn experienced where we're a family, we're friends, you come in and see us. So I had really pushed against that. But when this happened, um, Vaughn, you know, my 17 year old daughter, Sydney, Sydney said, mom, you've got to have a website. And I said, I don't have time. I'm driving all over the city delivering gifts. And she said, I'll do it. So over the course of that next three or four weeks, my daughter built Paper Affair, a website to buy product. And so um, that was kind of the two main things we did until we were allowed to reopen. Right. That answers the question. And so, no, and so it, it, it totally answered the question. And and I and I think, you know, backing up on my question, um, when we speak of this topic, and Stuart and I, unfortunately, over the past almost year now, um, we've been having a difficult time finding topics that don't somehow relate to COVID. It's just <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it is, it is, yeah. You know, so it, you know, I think that when we, whenever we discuss any topic that falls under that subject, we we find ourselves under a very large umbrella. And in this case, too, I find ourselves under a large umbrella, meaning that your business 
And a friend of mine and I were discussing as I was gathering my, my notes for um, this, this topic, this show, had explained to me that there's business to business and business to com consumer. And you find yourself in the category of business to consumer, where right. your challenges were different than a business to business, for example. Right. Um, also, for example, restaurants find themselves in a different area of challenges. Gyms, um, you know, et cetera, I could go on and on. Fine, fine dining compared to a small hamburger joint because one can do takeout more effectively than the other. Right. So there are a lot of different, so, so you're speaking very much to your business to consumer. So what I find interesting, and obviously it doesn't surprise me because you're such a, an effective business owner that you immediately knew that a way to keep your business afloat was to go down that path that you were not initially comfortable with or that you didn't really want to embrace, but to keep your business afloat, you did. And that was to go online and to right. tap into, to tap into social media, which kept your business afloat, which benefited not only you, but all of us out here who love your store. Also, I uh, I like how you were saying, you know, we there during that time, people, consumers wanted to continue shopping and we couldn't get into your store. But right. you, 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 you changed your strategies in a way. I mean, I know I personally got things delivered by one of your staff members several times. And right. It was it was a way to keep us connected, and so that when you did reopen, you we were still there, exactly. and you and you were still there, and so you did what you needed to do. Which brings me to my next question: Do you think you're going to continue online and social media and website? You know, when we get through this. <laughs> yes. Yes. So one one thing I do want to mention on the social media: we already had Facebook and Instagram. Um, I was smart enough to realize three or four years ago that I was not savvy enough at that. At that, That's still not my thing. I still don't do anything personally um, on social media. So I hired a young A&M grad who's brilliant at it. And so she manages our social media. Um, and so the good news is that platform was already there. And we already had a lot of followers. So I, I do want to mention, I didn't just start that up. That was already there, which was <laughs> to answer your question on, am I going to keep it? The thing that's been so interesting is while we had to be shut down and in the first month or two of people being home and not sure if they wanted to feel safe getting out or not, a lot of our online orders were local. In the last three or four months, I would say the majority of our online orders are people in other states, even in other countries. We are shipping orders and my local customers are coming in. So what I found was it opened up a whole different group of people who had never seen Paper Affair and I didn't lose the feeling of people coming into the store who were local. So I think it's been, um, I think I learned a lesson that I was wrong and I should have done it sooner, but, I, but it is a positive and we will keep it. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, that's Melissa, you, know, the, the, you bring up a real good point and, and I will say because I spent 40 years in retail uh, my, ah, wife, my wife and I yeah. were in, in women's fashion for 40 years. The The advantage that you have over, you know, even having three locations, uh, the advantage you have is your adaptability. The the ability to, to foresee something like the pandemic and say, okay, how do I re not recreate myself, but how do I repurpose myself? And so what did you do? You said you went on on Facebook and all, and you took that camera and you started here. This just came into the shop. And if you want to know more about it, let us know. Give us a call. If you'd like to place an order, you repurposed your, yourself. 
You have a neighbor right right a few doors away from you, Mike Luther over at Up Inspired Kitchen. Yes. The same thing happened. When he was forced to close his doors, he immediately reached out to his customers and said, we're not out of business. What we will do is we will cook for you and we will put it right out in front and you can stop by and pick it up. So you repurposed yourself. In the meantime, other businesses like yours that had personalized stationery, they were going out of business because they didn't react to that challenge. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that I love about your, your business is uh, because it is so personalized, a lot of things are personalized. And by the way, I'm going to give a shout out to your bathrobes. You make <laughs> bathrobes that are customized with, with uh, embroidered lettering. My, my daughter-in-law's absolute favorite uh, uh, bathrobe. Because, because it makes it special. Uh, there are magazines. Every week you get a magazine from some gift company and all that's offering things for you to, to order uh, you know, from their, their company or online. There is something about being inside that store with that touchy-feely and, and your staff that says, oh, if you want it personalized, may I suggest this, this, and this? That's the part of it you don't get out of a magazine. That's the part you don't get out of a website is the guidance of professional people to help you fill the request the best way possible. Thank you and, for saying that. Yeah. Well, that, that your staff is incredible. Yeah. That brings us to another good question for you, Melissa. So when you finally got to a point where customers, consumers could come back into the store, obviously then you were faced with kind of a new business strategy in terms of how do you keep your staff safe? How do you keep your consumers safe? So right. what are some new um, elements of business that you put in place regarding just safety and health issues? Yeah. As soon as we were told we could reopen on May 1st, we were open on May 1st. And I was surprised I would have customers come in and say, well, no one else is open yet. And I'm like, why? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> if you're going to survive this, like you got to open the second they say you can open. And I give huge kudos to my employees, as both of y'all know, um, we have very little turnover. We, my employees have been with me five, seven, many of them 10 years, um, several of them since the day we opened 14 years ago. So um, it's a family. We're very close. And, you know, I just called them all and I said, we're opening. You know, how do you feel? I need people. Are you comfortable? And I would say the majority were ready to go. They were like, I'm, I'm sitting at home, I'm bored, let's go, let's do this. I had a few that said I'm not comfortable yet. And so when we were initially reopened, we had a few that chose to stay home a little longer, but I had enough willing to come back that we were able to open May 1st with plenty of staff. Um, what we decided to do was um, staff, and, and even to this day, it's been a year now, we, we all wear a mask. We require customers to wear a mask. And we clean and sanitize, you know, the surfaces all day, every day. Um, and, and that's that, not easy with 12,000 products inside <laughs> the store to go out and try and it, clean all those It's not show. easy. You know, we had little things that, you know, I miss. Like, we're no longer sampling the poppy popcorn that everybody loves. And we're no longer, you know, there's some changes. People don't have to sign their receipt anymore. We don't want people having to share pins. So some little adjustments, but it was enough that customers felt, 
customers and employees felt very safe coming in. And our store, and I, I reminded of customers too, I said, it's not like going to Walmart or the grocery store or Target. Like, you know, there's never more than six or eight people in our store at a time. Right. In, in my opinion, you should feel safer coming in there. It's very easy to keep distance if you want to keep distance. And Absolutely. I will say that the hardest part about the customer situation, as I mentioned, wearing masks is, as you both know very well, there is a huge divide on it does the mask work and should you wear it, you know, versus, you know, those that really want to wear it and those that really don't. And I, I had complaints. I had customers email and say, I will not wear a mask. And because you're requiring it, I won't come in. And then I had customers say, you know, if you don't make everyone wear a mask, I'm not coming in. So it was a, a real challenge to try to balance really strong opinions in a way that everybody felt safe. Um, but I think I think we've done it. I think it's worked. And I think um, customers and employees both feel safe to come to our store. That's very interesting um, that, that, I mean, I, I know of the divide wearing masks. I have friends who think it's a bunch of malarkey and then others who take it very seriously. And right. you know, it's interesting that as a business owner, it, it didn't occur to me really, but it makes sense that you would have to deal with that divide from a professional standpoint, uh, trying to make both employee and consumer comfortable. I, right. I, you know, I could see how that would be a, be a challenge. Um, you know, one thing is interesting, though, or not interesting, I have to share, though, Stuart, since she's talking about masks, my daughter actually just called me the other day, my Emily, who's a senior down at Baylor, and she said, Mom, would you please run over to Paper Fair? I need more masks. Melissa knows this. They have, people have become very um, kind of like mask, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking Aficionados. for? Aficionados. Well, or just, they've become, like, you know how you're brand loyal? I think yeah. some people have become mask loyal. Melissa will tell you, and Karen, her manager at the Frisco store, will tell you, I'm very mask loyal. I found masks that I liked in the very beginning of all of this at Paper Fair, and I just, I'm very comfortable with those. No other mask works for me now. I put it on, and I'm just like, ugh, where's my <laughs> So, you know, it's. It's funny, and so they also not only wear their masks from a safety standpoint, but sell really, really great, great masks as well um, for me. But Melissa, speaking of your staff, um, again, I had a conversation with with a friend of mine who is who is also a business owner in a different type of, of business. But uh, he was telling me that he has been very much addressing employee morale uh, during this time. I don't know that any of us really thought that this would be going on this long to this degree. And he was noticing, and maybe not so much in your industry, so this might not even be a question that you have to address, but he was noticing that he needed to kind of tap into their emotional state during this time. Um, have you had to really deal with any kind of emotions, heightened emotions during this time amongst your staff members? Obviously you said at the beginning that if they weren't comfortable, don't come back. But has that been something that's been something that has been big enough that you've had to really kind of um, embrace? No, <laughs> I mean, to yeah. answer, no, I really haven't. And I think part of it is because we gave them the choice. I yeah. mean, you know, this is retail. It's not a exactly career where you have to come back to work now if I tell you to. Right. It's hourly. And so if somebody said, I don't feel comfortable coming back, I said, OK, let us know when you are. So I think for that reason, people yeah. came back when they felt ready yeah um and again the personality of our stores is just fun and happy and i think people have been 
home for so long, they're just so happy to come to work and be able to see people and talk and engage that I really haven't had an issue with that. You know, yeah. also, I think, I think uh, too, that when this all happened a year ago, a lot of people just felt uncomfortable wearing masks and going out in public wearing masks. Today, it's commonplace. I mean, you know, like like uh, Vaughn said, uh, people are going out and they're wearing masks for, for their of their favorite football teams. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's become an, an almost an advertising uh, uh, medium too. But people, you expect people to be wearing masks. Exactly. And I, and I subscribe to the to to the the uh, uh, the philosophy that if it's your store and you want everybody that walks through your door to be wearing a mask, if they don't want to wear a mask, then invite them to go online and take a look at your products online and you'll fill their order online. But your house, your rules, their house, their rules. Well, and, and I will and say we, we did also offer, and I've done this several times. I have met customers up there before we open, after we close on the weekends, both people that didn't want to wear a mask. And I said, come on when we're not open or people that were, even though they were wearing a mask and we were wearing a mask, they were still nervous. And so I said, no problem. You can come when we're not open. So we, we have done a lot of that, you know, just catering to what people feel most comfortable with. It, it sounds like your business strategy, your, your new business plan, if you have one in place, it sounds to me like it was very logical and just a lot of common sense. You considered, you considered people's personal emotional state, you considered comfort levels, you were, you were, remained very flexible in terms of how you did your business. To me, it, it, having this conversation, a lot of this is just consider the concept of your business, consider your consumer, consider the buying habits, whatever, and kind of develop a plan accordingly that kind of still maintains that personal kind of interaction, which you've done to me sounds like just perfectly. Well, I know that you also did curbside. Uh, there were a couple times where I pulled up and they would run out. You can purchase it over the phone, credit card, all that. And, um, you know, and then a couple times, like I said, it was delivered. Now, maybe that's not as much anymore, but um, if it's working and if it's not, if it's, if it's cost effective for you, I would assume that you would keep that as a part of your business because who knows when people are, when all people are going to be back right. to 100% comfort level. I don't know that right. that will ever happen. Well, yeah. and I, I will say along those lines and, and a shout out to our customers, because from the moment we reopened, we have been just as busy as we were in February before we had to close. And our customers showed up in force and have supported us and have really, I think a lot of them have told me they've made a real effort to shop small and to focus more buying in their communities. And for that reason, um, we will survive this. And it, believe me, I was scared. I thought, okay, when we reopen May 1st, what if no one shows up? Um, but that didn't happen. We had, we had our crowds back and our customers back. And um, I always tell my older employees, my younger employees don't get it, that it felt to me, it feels like cheers. You walk in and you know, the employees. you also know other customers that are shopping. Like you come in to kind of have a little social time. And so, um, yeah, the first time I used that cheers example and a girl just looked at me and I realized she was 25. So I'm going to, I'm going to feel safe using it. Um, so it, I do a huge, huge thank you to any customers that are listening because they are the reason we will survive this. Well, and, and I agree with you because I'm one of those customers, but 
You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. But, and I'm those people, I think I've even used that word cheers before too, because I have to be careful because sometimes, well, Stuart knows I, I love to be with people and, and sometimes I have to be careful because I go into the store and I love chatting with the ladies. They're so great, but I have to remember they're at work. <laughs> and I, need to just, I need to get in and get out. They're like, okay, Vaughn, bye. <laughs> but you know, a lot of you know what? I would take that any day over, you know, a non-relationship exchange, you know. Well, you, you've personalized your business and you've um, made it a very friendly, you know, environment. And I think that all that you did up until the reopening on May 1st, um, you, you, you did it. You did everything that you could to keep, you know, consumer retailer relationship connected. And I think that that right there was huge in terms of when you reopened May 1st you know, you had the activity that you, that you had, that you experienced, you know, you have to remember too. I, and, and Stuart and I talked about this on another show for some reason, but I remember the statistics Stuart it was something like, I don't know, 47 or 50% of our total economy is made up of small businesses. Does that number ring true? I think it's, a, it's around that area, which is, yeah, that sounds right, but I don't know. No small potatoes. And what's unfortunate is obviously some businesses some businesses, small businesses survived, some thrived, and some closed. You obviously didn't close, Melissa, but would you say you survived or thrived? Um, you know what? I would say it's a combination of the two. Um, from the day we reopened, I feel like we are thriving. And all the changes and the adjustments we made, I feel like we're great and we're thriving. The issue that is the struggle for a small business is... I had, you know, two months in my Collin County stores and really three months in the Dallas store where I wasn't allowed to be open and the commercial landlords didn't care. And so there is still, and I, when I say survive, it, it's still going to take me many, many years to make up the rent, <laughs> you know, that retailer space. Stuart, you obviously know this, the, right. the, the, the lease contract that doesn't stop in a pandemic. Um, and so does that mean, is that a fair answer? It's both. I mean, yep. my business is thriving. I am surviving from a financial standpoint because it will take a long time. You mentioned earlier that you added in the, the ability to shop online. Uh, to me, that was an extremely smart move back before the pandemic because you know, obviously, the best thing for people to understand about Paper Affair is at least walk through those doors and and shop in person initially. Because if I've ordered napkins or I've ordered personalized items and I'm finding that, oh, I'm running a little low, now I can go online and place a reorder and keep that business going and feel like I don't have to get in the car because the doors are closed. Right. Right. So uh, that's what I was saying earlier about that reassessing and repurposing your, your plan of attack. Yes. And to your point, you mentioned earlier, Stuart, our 12,000 products. I don't know where you got that number. I don't know how you know that. That's impressive. Is, is it, is it, am I close? You're really, really close. <laughs> You're just phenomenal. I'm like, how did he know? It's like 11,900 something. Hey, um, I've, 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 I've gone in and touchy-feely almost all of them. <laughs> um, but, but to that point, 
you know, do we have 12,000 products online? No, right. um, especially when it was just my daughter for a while adding products daily and then she was adding it around school. And I've now got, you know, my great social media gal adding. But, you know, we, we started with our most popular and um, products. And so there are lots of products, but it's probably 10% of the store. And so if you really want to feel for the store, you do have to come in. Um, will we ever get it all on there? Probably not. Um, one of the things that people love about our store is the inventory changes constantly. Um, Vaughn knows if you see something you like, you better get it because it may not be there in two weeks. And so I do, I do part of my, um, part of my paper affair strategy on the way our store looks is that it is, there is new stuff all the time. And so a website doesn't work for the stuff that's constantly moving, but it works right. for the stables, you know, our right. Nest candles, our Lafco candles, our Nora Fleming. I mean, all of those things that are staples in our store, you can find online, but you really have to come in if you want to see like the new fast moving stuff. Well, and especially if you're buying fragrance of any kind, a diffuser or a candle, you know, you got to get your nose on and you can't, exactly. you can't do that online. Unless exactly. maybe one day they'll develop a scratch and sniff online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go, to your, go to your computer screen and let's see, I'm just going <laughs> yeah. to like that. Um, Alyssa, uh, you were talking also about um, kind of surviving versus thriving, whatever. Did you ever... I don't know. Did you, were you ever given any kind of break on your rent? Did these, did these landlords ever provide that to, for you, small business owners? Um, legally, I can't say a whole lot. Gotcha. About it. Um, the, the answer is in some cases, a little bit, in some cases, not at all. Gotcha. Um, and I have a lot of friends in retail and that have restaurants that are in, you know, centers all over the city and we were we all sit around and communicate and we were all kind of a little bit it was the biggest surprise for me in the pandemic that that layer there was no expectation that rent would be abated for those months right. um, it's pretty standard no matter who you talk to and who you ask um that that's just an area that it, it, it is what it is. There's the contract and an agreement. So I, I, I will tell you, it's in some cases, there are some strip malls where businesses did not survive and they've gone out. And in my mind, if I was that landlord, I would rather have a bit of reduced rent than no yeah, rent at all. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it, it works both ways. There are landlords that just say, no, you, you can't pay, get out. Yeah. And, I, and uh, I do know cases like that where they said, I can pay you a part of it. And they said, nope, all or nothing. And they were kicked out. And yeah, so, I, I have to agree. I was with both y'all on that. I don't understand that because to me, it seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah. I, you know, I'm not an expert on their side of the business and the way they're seeing things and looking at things of my three locations. You know, I've got one that's a, a publicly traded REIT. I've got one that's a small family owner, you know, so I, I had like the, that I had right. all different types, right. um, but pretty much across the board, I mean, they were pretty set in that these are lease agreements. Melissa, well, did you find that you got you, that you got some uh, cooperation from your vendors? Uh, because obviously, when all of this happened, you probably had orders that you had placed, you know, the the fall before this ever happened, and and all of a sudden you had product that was being made 
to be sent to you. Right. And were the vendors a little more adaptable to say, okay, I'll give you an extra 90 days to pay? Absolutely. The vendors were amazing. Um, and, and to Vaughn's point, they saw like, like I need paper affair to buy my products. And if that means I need to give them 90 days then I'll give them 90 days. So the vendors were really great to work with. I will say though, and I have thought about, um, retail stores that are in fashion, like you were Stuart, that would be really, really challenging. The good thing for me is 95% of my product. It's not, at least at that time of year in March, when we're told to shut down. It's not a seasonal item. We had some Easter items that I, you know, we weren't able to sell because we were shut down, right. but it's not like we had spring clothing. And by the time we reopened, people are looking for winter. Our inventory situation was a lot easier to manage than I would say fashion retail was. Yeah. But yeah, the vendors were amazing. To me, it seems like a time, this would have been a time for, and I know that I, I don't, I can't speak to the correct biz, business term, but I guess there were places where small businesses could um, file to get some funding and whatnot to to kind of just help them during these times. I would I would hope that most businesses, small businesses would have taken advantage of that um, just to help keep their, their business. Because, um, you know, you think about small businesses, you think about how they make up, uh, you know, let's just say 50, approximately 50% of our total economy, then think about the number of employees Right. So it affects a lot of businesses and a lot of individuals. Yeah. Um, so, um, so and I, I can't speak for others, but yes, the SBA was giving COVID relief loans. Okay. And of course you've heard about the PPP loan. Um, and so those were both extremely helpful That's for our surviving and thriving. Yeah. Right. Which, which to me, not only benefited you, but benefited the, the entire economy. So, exactly. the, so it, it, you know, it, it just makes sense to me that um, now I have a, I have, a, I, I know we're coming up against the end of the show, but I, I have to ask this question and I, it, I don't, I hope it's not controversial. And I think I know the answer because I, because you just really base your business kind of strategy on, on personalization kind of, um, uh, comfort level, what that not. Now with the vaccine coming out, okay, and more and more people are getting the vaccine, and we're all we all fall into different categories. But right. whenever our time is where we can get our vaccine shot, is that something that you're going to encourage? I don't believe that you would require. But where where are you going to stand as a business owner on the vaccine? I have not made that decision yet. <laughs> Be yeah. because we're not at a place yet where it's even available right. to me or to my employees. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Cross that bridge when you get to it. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, I have several employees that are um, over the age of 65. And so they have applied online or waiting their turn to get their vaccine. And I'm happy for them to do that. But I haven't had, I haven't had any issues where anyone has said to me, I'm not getting it. And if you right. make me, I'm quitting. I, I haven't had that. I can't imagine I would have that. I also don't see that there would be a need to require it. I think people will do what they're comfortable with and everyone else around them will adjust. I think that's a great answer. And I will tell you, that's the answer I thought you were going to give. I know that there are some, I, I have, a, I don't know. I've talked to several different people, uh, you, a small, another friend of mine, and the, the answers are all over the place. 
if they have somebody in their office that is perhaps compromised. I have a friend whose boss is, has diabetes. Um, if if you're going going back home to somebody who might be compromised, um, you know, there are so many different scenarios here that might sway a business owner's decision on whether or not they, I would think, I would probably, my personality is such that I would probably strongly encourage, I don't know, and I don't know where this all stands legally, but I don't know that I would legally, I don't know that I would require, but it's certainly something that now that the vaccine's out there, I think it's gonna be a topic of conversation. Correct, and it is, I mean, sadly, it is a challenge, like I was telling you with customers, mask or no mask and people getting upset, it is such a, it's become a political issue. Mm -hmm. And so as a business owner, I have to be, and I have employees that work for me that are really Republican and I have some that are really Democrat <laughs> and, on both sides, and I really have to just stay neutral. You know, I just, my opinions really are to myself and I, I, I try to manage both sides. Uh, you know, as a business owner, I think you have to. And you Melissa, know? that is why we can applaud your efforts as a business owner and all that you do because you have succeeded, you have you have survived and thrived and you've created, and I just have to say, you know, I know we're really pushing up against the end, but I just, and I, I truly mean this, if you've not been into Paper Fair, Dallas, Plano, Frisco, you just gotta go, if you have an hour out of your time to just browse around, bounce around, you're gonna leave with something. You just can't go in there and not find something that you have to have. It's yeah. a, it's and I, I, might, I might mention- I might mention that in a few weeks, we've got a uh, kind of a special date coming up, you know, like uh, uh, Valentine's Day. The only time of year that men come in our store. That, that's right. And it's, and, and I, and I, that's, that's the okay, hook I'm, I'm trying to throw out there. I was a joke. Is, 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 you know, if it's ladies, if you're watching the show, tell your husbands to get over there. Uh, because again, I go back to the staff. A guy can walk into that that store and just say, "I want to get something really nice for my my wife." Whether it's it's stationery or a robe or maybe maybe some new glassware with our initials on it and all. What what would you suggest? And ladies, for your Valentine, do the same thing. This is not just a shop for ladies. This is a shop for for anybody. There's lots of neat stuff. A lot very cool gifts for guys too. Yeah. And, and and also you have an incredible selection of things for babies. You know, if there's a baby coming in, in your life, you're going to a shower or, or, you know, there's a baby coming, there's some great things. And it's that personalization that makes it special and remembered. Melissa, what are some of your popular Valentine items that you would uh, recommend we check out when we get in there? Um, for guys or ladies, um, if, if neither of you have ever had our poppy popcorn, there you go. Oh, you can the poppy popcorn is one of our most popular things right now, and they have a salted caramel Valentine bag. We're going under, in today. Under $10. It's great for a girlfriend, great for a spouse. Be Go try the poppy popcorn. Between the popcorn and the fragrances <laughs> and the candles yeah. and, and all, you walk in and your 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 senses just go crazy. Well, by the way, I'll be going in today because, as you know, I have to buy Emily her mask. <laughs> well, I will probably open the bag of poppy popcorn and eat it while I'm shopping. <laughs> That's well, allowed. <laughs> it is. Look forward to seeing you, Vaughn. <laughs> well, you I'll, I'll warn the girls you're coming. I know. <laughs> Stuart, it won't surprise you that Vaughn makes an entrance when she comes. Yeah, she she always has and always will. 
what you have to do is love me. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a tip, Melissa. You just tell the girls that if Vaughn gets too chatty, have somebody call the store. Uh, and oh, when the phone rings, then they can answer and say, oh, this I have to take this call, Vaughn. That's a great you. idea. I like that. We'll use that next time. <laughs> hey, hey, the next time Karen picks up the phone while I'm in there, I'm going to be suspicious. There you I go. Who's on the other line? Who is that? <laughs> the, 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 it's paperaffairdallas.com. It's got all the information you need. Give them a call if it's something special you're looking for and all and pop in and, and say hello and, and let them know that you enjoyed listening to uh, Melissa talk with us on something to talk about. Melissa, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you. Have a great day. So have a great day, guys. And Bye. you all go out, make it a great weekend and a great week, the rest of your week and all. Join us again next week. 11 o'clock right here for another another edition of something to talk about.